Alright, well it's really good to be here. I am honored to preach. I tell you what, this church is awesome. It is, it is great. It's a lighthouse. It really is. I mean, I'm sure you guys know that, but Illinois is a very dark place. The sea of darkness around you. This is like a lighthouse. So it's an honor to be preaching here. And I uh, really appreciate this church. There's not many like it at all. I'd be giving extra if I were you. I'd be getting involved, making an investment, um, because this is the real deal. You got a real pastor, you got a real church, and they're not, there's not many. <laughs> I'm telling you, I travel around, there's not many at all. But uh, let's open up with a word of prayer, and then we'll get started. Thank you, Lord, for this, uh, for this time. I pray that you will help me to preach in your spirit. Pray that you will fill me with your spirit and help those to listen in your spirit. And I also pray for Pastor McMurtry for travel mercies and also uh, his preaching at the Prophecy Conference. And uh, thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Romans 5. Romans chapter 5. Go ahead and find your place there and start in verse 19. The Bible reads, for as one, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Christ Jesus our Lord. So, I want, I want to make a little confession before I start. I believe in a work salvation in order to go to heaven. But I just believe Jesus Christ did all the work. Amen. And see, that's the difference between us and them. We believe Jesus did enough. Okay? Other churches, other IFBs now, the majority of them, seem to think Jesus missed the spot with the blood. Okay? We believe Jesus paid it all. All to him we all. And honestly, there's really only two religions. And I think I talked about this with some of you last time I was here. There's really only two. People want to make it confusing. Oh, there's Buddhism, Mormonism, and all this stuff. No, there's two. There's works. <laughs> yeah, you want me to put your phone on silent? <laughs> all right. There's really only two religions. All right. There's works, and then there's grace. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. All right. And uh, go ahead and turn your Bibles to uh, Revelation 21, 7 through 8. And while you're turning there, I'll just say this. For example, Mormons believe you have to turn from your sin in order to be saved. And they believe you can lose your salvation. Muslims believe you have to turn from your sin to be saved. And they believe you can lose your salvation. <laughs> Name the religion. On and on it goes. They all have the same thing in common. You have to turn from your sin. You have to be willing to turn from your sin, repent from your sin, and you can lose your salvation. The King James Bible is the only religion that does not teach such a thing. Um, so now we read here in Revelation 21, starting in verse 7. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers, and idolaters, 
And all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Uh, Go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And while you're turning there, I'll I'll go ahead and read uh, Revelation 2, 7. It says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And then 1 John 5, 5 reads, Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? And this here's a real familiar one in Acts 16, 30 through 31. It says, and brought them out and says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And let me go ahead and give the title to my sermon. It's uh, salvation by works. Okay. (laughs) And I want to focus in on the work of Jesus and all that he did. Sometimes we we tend to focus on how much we don't have to do and we forget how much he had to do for us. And uh, your pastor preached on it a couple of weeks ago. I was here for it, preaching on how Jesus went to hell. And he used this verse here. Go ahead and look down at Acts 2, starting in verse 31. It says, He seeing this before spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. Jesus was the final burnt sacrifice for our sins, past, present, and future. Okay, that whole list of people that we read, the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, murderers, whoremongers, Jesus took their place. He died on the cross. He burned in hell for three days and three nights, and he rose from the dead. He did a lot to say that we have to do, that we have, you know, well, Jesus, you missed the spot. We need to, uh, I think we also need to be willing to turn from, you can't just do whatever you want. How many of you heard that? I know I've heard it out so well. <laughs> but... Truly, he was he was the final sacrifice, burnt sacrifice. It's funny because when I was out soul winning at a, at Steadfast, I would go and knock at this door, and this guy comes out and he's, he has a big beer in his hand, and I'm like, "Hey, man, how you doing? You know, you know, just stopping by, want to know, just ask you a few questions. Are you 100 percent sure if you die today, you go to heaven when you die?" And this guy said, "Oh yeah, I'm 100 percent sure." And he takes a sip of the beer, and you know, a kid runs out the door, <laughs> and he says. I said, well, what do you think someone has to do to go to heaven? He said, well, you got to repent from your sin, that's for sure. And I said, okay. I said, really? I said, all right. Well, the Bible teaches it's way easier. Can I show you from the Bible how you can know for sure that you're going to heaven? So I go through the you know, whole gospel with him. And he's, you know, yeah, you know, I already believed that. I said, well, when I first came up here, you, you, you said something completely different. He said, no, 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 you don't. I was buzzing. You don't understand. I was I was buzzing a little bit. So, but this this is 90 percent of people. If you go out and you knock doors, 90 percent of them are going to say the same thing. Turn from sins. Keep the commandments. Be willing to turn from sins. And this is the world's mentality. This is why somebody who is a pastor and, you know, I, I, if I hear them say you have to be willing to turn from sin to be saved, they're not saved. You are not saved, period. End of story. Some people will try to say, well, you know, maybe they were saved. At one. No, they're not saved, period. All right, we'll, we'll get into that. Go ahead and uh, turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. 
Starting in verse 24, we read, For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often, as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others, for then must he have for then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world he hath appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Go ahead and uh, turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Should be a page over. And uh, we'll start in verse 9. Read in verse 9, it says, Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of, of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Okay, so here's the thing. It's once and for all. If you believed, okay, and you weren't trusting in your works, and you put all your faith on the Lord Jesus Christ, unfortunately it's too late for you, or fortunately it's too late for you to go to hell. That You missed your chance. You're like the anti-reprobate. You know, there's, there's no way you'll ever have a chance to go to hell if you believed at one time. Okay? But th- this is why the saying, you know, one must repent of their sins and all this stuff is basically straight up saying that Jesus did not do enough. That is, that's what's saying. There's one guy, he emailed me this video as a client and he said, you got to check this guy out. You'll love him. And it was like two hours. <laughs> it was a gospel message, uh, you know, supposedly it was two hours. The first half of it was really good. All it was was scripture. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and I shall be saved. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word. And believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. And I'm like, yes, this guy's on point. He's one of us. Keep going in the video. And it's showing all the verses on screen. It's a YouTube video. Showing all the verses on screen as you go. In the middle of it, I noticed all the verses left and stopped. And he said, now we need to talk about repentance. <laughs> and, I, and then, of course, you see this picture of David Cloud's edited dictionary, I think it was. Yeah. <laughs> But this is the thing. This is the carnal mind. They can only see the carnal. Now, Pastor McMurtry, when he was at Steadfast, he did a great job of explaining this. You know how the Catholics, they'll look at when, when, when Jesus says, you know, eat my, my flesh and drink my blood. They can only see the carnal from that. Well, well, that means we must cannibalize Jesus, of course. I mean, that's what they think. But, of course, we, you know, those of us who have the spirit of God, we, we know the spiritual application. But the carnal man, they just cannot get it. No matter how much you try with them, they're never going to get it. You know, that's the point. They don't have the spirit of God. They have to get saved so that you have to choose to believe on him. Then things maybe will come clear to them and start to make sense. and They can understand the Bible. Okay. Uh, turn your Bibles to uh, Galatians 2.21. Pretty familiar verse here. Bible reads in Galatians 2.21, it says, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Okay, so turning from sin means keeping the law. 
And I've had people say, oh, you know, it's not a work. You know, it's just, it's, you know, you're, you're just being, you just have to be willing. You know, that, that's a work. Other, that's saying you're willing to put Christ's death in vain. That's, that's what you're willing to do. The whole willing to turn from sin is just a cop-out. It's the same thing as saying you have to turn from sin, which is a work. Okay? And, uh, you know, to make this clear, where it says keeping the law, turning from sin is keeping the law. Turn, turn to uh, 1 John 3, 4. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4. And while you're turning there, I'll uh, read Jonah chapter 3, verse 10. And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. So we see right there, God repents in the same verse, and turning from your evil way is a work. Clear as day. Okay, now uh, look down at uh, John, 1 John, chapter 3 and verse 4. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. For, for means because, for sin is the transgression of the law. So when you're turning from sin, you're saying, I need to stop transgressing the law. And I need to start keeping the law. Well, then you're saying Christ's death was in vain. Why did he even die then? What was the point? Or did he not do a good enough job by dying on the cross and burning in hell for three days and three nights and rising from the dead? Did he not do a good enough job? Can you do what he did? Of course not. You know, so sin is the transgression of the law. Turning from sin is keeping the law. Go ahead and uh, turn uh, to Romans chapter six or I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter six. Repentance is needed to get saved, but it's not repentance from sin. It is repentance from our dead works. Okay, we, we covered there's only two religions. This is why you can't be a Buddhist and say, well, I'll believe on or, you know, Allah, whoever, and I'll believe on Jesus, because that's a false works based religion. You have to completely reject that and put all your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And realize he's the one who paid for your everlasting life. Go ahead and uh, look down at uh, Hebrews chapter 6. It says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God. Now, this is interesting because the phrase repent, or repentance from sin or repent from your sin does not appear in the King James Bible. Not one time, not one time. But what does appear is repentance from dead works. And if you read through the Bible constantly, the book of Matthew, for example, constantly, Jesus is trying to show the Pharisees, they're sinners, they're sinners. Unless your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees, he's trying to show them, stop trusting in yourself. The rich man comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to have an eternal life? You know, Jesus says, keep the commandments. He's like, oh, yeah, I got that down pat. You know, so but, but who's my neighbor? He had to justify himself. OK, and that's what these people have to do. They have to lower God's standards. If you believe you have to be willing to turn from your sin to be saved, then you have to bring that, you know, God's standards down to your level. That's what you have to do. At the end of the day, you're never going to say, well, I, you know, of course, it's keep all the commandments because, you know, you'd fail. So you have to say, well, you know. As long as I'm just really, as long as it's not willful sin, you know, you always got to somehow justify yourself, just like that rich man there. And this is a, this is a fundamental of faith. If you read here, it says, let us go on, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God. So we must repent, but we have to repent from trusting in ourselves 
our dead works. Realize we're a sinner. We deserve hell. It'd be just for us to be in hell. And Jesus Christ took our place. And he did a great job. There's nothing more. We don't have to add anything to it or take anything away from it. He did enough. Okay. And again, I, I say it again. Anyone who preached that, if you know, this is why this church is gold. Because I'm telling you, you just go pick a random IFP. They never used to be like this, by the way. I grew up in IFP. I was at, I remember the first time I ever heard it. I was 17 years old. I was in this group. It was called a Mighty Man's Group. That's what it was called. We used to go around and we used to preach to public schools. Okay. And we try to get tent meetings and all stuff. Well, there's a new guy that started leading it. His name was Dr. Stone. More like Dr. Stoned, because he was out of his mind. But anyways, this, this guy, he, uh, he was leading the group, and we all had to give a testimony about, you know, uh, our soul winning throughout the week or whatever. And I said, yeah, this is crazy. I was out soul winning. This one guy thought he had to give up his sin, ha, 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 you know, to get saved. I never, I thought all Baptists believed like I did. I didn't, you know, I'd ne- I thought repentance from sin to be saved was something the Catholics taught, you know. But this guy, he, he said, well, he looked at me. He's like, what are you talking about? Of course you do. He had to, he has to turn from his sin. And then, and then it became this big, you know, I'm only 17. I think I had read through the Bible maybe at one, once at this point. So he was trying to shoot me with all these things. And I just kept saying, but it's only by belief. It's only by belief. He tried, well, you know, you got to cut off your hand and pluck out your eye. You know, you got to be, and I'm like, <laughs> I was like, well, Jesus, you know, gave his hands and his feet for me. So, you know, that's all I could think of at that time because I was 17. I didn't know. But, but here's the thing is that, you know, this false prophet, I ended up getting kicked out of the group. He had, I was only 17. Everyone else was adults, you know. So he, of course, they're going to go with the doctor. And he's like, you know, he took a vote. He couldn't counter what I was saying, but he took a vote and he said, you know, who thinks I'm right and who thinks he's right? And, of course, everyone went with him, and I ended up getting kicked out of the group. But he ended up getting kicked out of the church, amen? So that was, uh, that was good there. But, yeah, it's, it's false. It's, it's just, again, it was never in the eye of these. It just crept in out of nowhere. I was like, I thought this was something Catholics believe. This is crazy. Now it's everywhere. You call up a church. Like, I'll be traveling somewhere. Hey, how you doing? Do you believe, what do you believe about salvation? Well, we believe grace through faith. All right. I said, well, do you think, though, you know, You'd have to turn from sin, though, to get saved. Absolutely. Click. <laughs> you know, on to the next. And I'm telling you, it's very rare. Like I said, it, it, it's so rare, it's, all, it's almost mind-blowing how it used to be compared to today. Um, and, and by the way, you know, Christ died for everybody. Every single person on that list that we read, Christ died for. And I want to throw that in there because some people will say, well, you know, you're right, but only if the Holy Spirit draws them. But this is a pretty familiar verse, John 12, 32. And I, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Right. Go ahead and turn to uh, Matthew chapter seven. Matthew chapter seven. Starting in verse twenty one. The Bible reads, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my father, which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name have cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Notice he said, I never knew you. He didn't say I used to know you. <laughs> okay, so that proves salvation is you can't lose it. Okay, otherwise, how could he say I never knew you, right? Here's the thing: 
These people are calling him Lord. Notice Catholics call Jesus Lord. You know, Mormons ask them, say, is Jesus the Lord? They say, absolutely he is. What is the difference between us and them? They've called upon the name of the Lord. They call him Lord, right? The difference is these men that we just read, they were bringing their works, saying, Jesus, I repented from my sin. Look at all the stuff I did. Jesus, I never knew you. Get out of here. And, and that's, that's the point, is that we, trusting in ourselves, though we say we believe, are really trusting in ourselves. Okay? We're not trusting on the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not trusting on his sacrificial work, his work. We're trusting in our works, our dead works, because we can't do what he did. There's no way I could die on a cross, go to hell and get out. There's no way. It's not going to (laughs) happen. Okay? Uh, It would be just for me to go to hell. It wasn't just for him to go to hell. It wasn't just for him to be crucified, burned for three days and three nights, and then rise from the dead. It wasn't just for them to do, the the Jews, to crucify him and do what they did to him. But um, so with that, we we see a phrase here. Only those that do the will of my Father, which is in heaven. So let's find out what the will of the Father is. Go ahead and go to John, chapter 6. The book of John, chapter 6. And by the way, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Well, you turn now. Go ahead and read this. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's a free gift. We always use this example out so many. I'm sure you guys do too. But we always say, hey, you know, if, if I said you have to be willing to wash my car every single day, you know, and you can have this Bible, is that a free gift? They'll say, well, absolutely not. <laughs> that's, that's crazy talk. Okay, well, this is a free gift. I'm going to give you this Bible as a free gift, but I'm going to automatically take $20 out of your bank account every month. Is that a free gift? They'll always say no, you know, because that's not a free gift. Anyone can see that. Let's go ahead and look down at John chapter 6, starting in verse 39. Just trying to lay a foundation here before we keep going. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have life, or may have everlasting life, and I'll raise him up at the last day. The will of the fathers to simply just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. And we read about overcoming, and you'll become a son of God. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. It's, it's amazing. He, he took care of it all. He paid it all. He was the final sacrifice. Go to First um, John chapter 5. First John chapter five. And just to hammer this in, you know, if somebody somebody believes they can lose their salvation, they're not saved. They're, they're not saved at all. They weren't saved. They're not saved. Period. And I'll, I'll show you why here. First John chapter five. We'll go to verse 10. He that believeth on the son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record, pay attention to that word, the record that God gave of his son. So what is the record? We go, go ahead and go to verse 11. It says, and this is the record that God hath given to us, eternal life, and this life is in his son. You have to believe it is everlasting. You have to believe 
that you could never lose it. I mean, it's clear as day. Again, like Pastor McMurtry preached that steadfast. We can see it clearly. You know, when we read John 5, 24, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. I mean, how I mean, he could. some people say, well, if you keep believing, if you continue in belief, you'll have everlasting life. Well, for one, that's an oxymoron anyways. But let's just give them that. But if you continue, it says you've passed from death unto life. How do they get by with that one? You know, it's crazy. But, you know, some people will say, well, what if you take the mark of the beast? Well, Matthew 24, 24, it says, For there shall rise false Christ and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Look, no Christian is going to be able to take the mark of the beast anyways. That's basically like when Osama bin Laden was alive, if, like if he would have lined up for food stamps or something. They would have hauled him off. You know, it's the same thing. You're going to be an enemy of the state, okay, during the tribulation. It's not going to work like that. You're not just going to be able to go, oh, yeah, they really want you to take the mark of the beast. No, they're going to kill you. The Bible says that, you know, the, the, it's, it's going to be a war after the saints. Go ahead and uh, go to John, the book of John, going back there to uh, chapter 10. John chapter 10. We'll start in verse 1. Bible reads, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. And that includes the NIV. That includes the ESV. Somebody who's saved is not going to go after the voice of strangers. Okay? That includes the Antichrist. That includes. I'm not saying a Christian can't be deceived. I'm just telling you straight up, there's a line that is just not going to be. You have the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. You're not going to go, you just know. You have a knowing. Uh, it's pretty clear if any of us started reading the NIV, we could just see right through it. It's nonsense. You know, somebody who's not saved, though, they're going to be like, yeah, just fine. Let's go ahead and continue reading. Verse 6. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but to, for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeing the wolf cometh and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. The wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. 
Go uh, jump down to verse 25. Verse 25. Jesus answered them, I told you and you believed not the works that I do. In my father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. So, this proves a lot of things, <laughs> but it, it proves, number one, you're not going to hear the voice of strangers. It proves you can never lose your salvation. It proves that he, he you know, there's no other way but him. Can't have works. You can't have, you just can't have it both ways. It's one or the other. Only those that do the will of the Father will enter into the kingdom of heaven. The reason is, is because he was the only one that was able to accomplish that perfection. He's the only one. Like we read in Hebrews. Go ahead and, uh, now, now, another thing too is, and I, I do want to stress this, is that Jesus Christ is the Word. He's the Word of God. We, and there's churches now that are straying away from this. And I don't know why this one's such a hard concept to grasp. But you have to, when you're going out soul winning, never go out without a King James Bible. You have to give scripture. They cannot get saved without hearing the word. They have to hear it. Can't get saved without the King James Bible. I've had people get really mad at me at this, you know, family members, in fact. They say, well, how could you, how could you think that? You know, the thing is, I don't know how you get by with verses that say, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, go ahead and I'll turn to your Bible, uh, 1 Peter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1. Because it's not our words that get people saved. It's his word. He's the word. The word spent three days and three nights in hell. The word was preserved unto every generation. Well, it's only preserved in heaven. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Yes, it's preserved in heaven as well, but not just in heaven. Okay. Or it's only preserved in the original Greek. Well, then I better learn Greek really quick because that means I'm not saved. <laughs> so... The thing is, is God can preserve his word just like the days of Pentecost. It can be in any language. And by the way, of course, he would have it in English. Of course, he would have it in English because this is the dominating language of the day. Just like Greek was the dominating language of the day at one point. You go to any country in the world, any country in the world, that will be the second language. I mean, it's, it's, but go ahead and uh, look down at First um, Peter chapter 1 and go to verse 23. Being born again, not of a corruptible seed but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Okay. So it's by the word of God that we're saved. Period. End of story. Can't have it both ways. Now, what we talked about here was the work of Jesus Christ and all that he did. Now, this should motivate us to do a couple things. It's a few things. This should, number one, this should motivate us. The work of Jesus should motivate us to have works with our faith. And to walk in the new man. Go ahead and go to James chapter 2. Go to verse 15. Starting verse 15 it reads, If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give not them you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? 
Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. By the way, he defines dead there as being alone. Okay, so it's very uh, idiotic to say that, well, faith always accompanies works. Well, then why is he even talking right now? <laughs> He's telling us to have works with our faith. Let's go ahead and continue in verse 18. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Now, again, this is not talking about your eternal salvation because it's our faith in his work. Okay, this is talking to believers in the first verse. Okay, you literally just have to straight up ignore all the other verses. In the first verse, he tells us something to take away from our faith, vain respect of persons. And then we continue reading. He tells us something to add to our faith, which is works, of course. Now, one thing you'll notice there, which is which is really interesting. He gives a really perfect example in verse 16. Is that, you know, he, he says there's a poor man and you just say, well, depart in peace. But you have all those things to give that poor person warmth. OK, now you could compare this to soul winning people who pray. Well, I pray my neighbor gets saved. Dear Lord, please. Get, I pray my neighbor gets saved. Is that dead faith or living faith? If you don't give them the gospel, it's dead faith. Now, you should pray for your neighbor to get saved. But if you don't go give them the gospel, that's not that's not living faith. You, again, you're praying to you're, you're praying nonsense. Dead. Standing alone. It's not doing anything. God's saying you can be an answer to that prayer and go give that man the gospel. It's possible for us to have dead faith after we're saved. That's called the flesh. I mean, there's a flesh full of living faith. I think not. <laughs> OK, I mean, pray tell. Why did Peter go out and deny the Lord three times? He's just full of faith. One is every day. We're just full of faith. That's nonsense. You know, and that's the thing is people, again, the carnal mind, somebody reading this who's not saved will just only get the carnal application. Works. Yes, of course, because they're puffed up. They have to justify themselves. They think they're so good. Like, yes, this is for me. Man, I knew it. Man, I'm going to make it. I'm so good. You know, that's <laughs> not the case. Go to Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four. Go ahead and start in verse 22. That you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Now, putting on the new man is basically just walking in the spirit. Okay. And this is why it cracks me up when people say, well, if someone really got saved, you'd see a change in their life. It's, it's not a, the new man is perfect. It doesn't sin. It doesn't just, it's not gradual. It's 100% perfect. It's the inward man. That's what, that's what we're dealing with there. The man that cannot sin, okay? Because the Holy Spirit indwells our spirit. All right? So, an, another point here going down to verse 25. Part of being in the spirit is that we speak truth with our neighbor. That shows me that when we put on the new man, we're supposed to be soul winning. We're supposed to be telling people the truth. We're supposed to be telling people how they can go to heaven when they die. And that's very important. It's more important than anything. And the thing is, is you know, I feel bad for people that go to hell. I think we all do. But, but I feel more bad for Jesus Christ, who had to, they deserve to go to hell. Jesus did not. So, at the end of the day, our motivating factor for this is that we should give Jesus Christ what he paid for. 
We, it's not about necessarily them, although that I, I do feel bad for them. But if I would have went to hell, it would have been just. It wasn't just for Jesus Christ to go to hell. So uh, the way I compare this is, let's say you went and bought a car and then, you know, you signed everything, you paid for it. And the salesman won't let you drive it off the lot. You'd be pretty mad, wouldn't you? You know, and that's the problem there. And this is why, by the way, when somebody rejects over and over and over and over and over, this is why God gives up on them. This is why God gets to the point where he hates them, where he can't stand them, where he gives up on them. Because they're denying the very Lord that bought them. Right. Go ahead and uh, turn to your Bibles uh, in Second Peter. Chapter two. We'll start in verse one. People don't go to hell because they didn't do enough works. They go to hell because they didn't believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the same sense, God doesn't hate people because they're homosexuals. And, and actually, they're homosexuals because at one point God gave up on them and hated them. I, me coughing does not make me sick. Me being sick does make me cough. Okay? And that's the thing. There comes a point with God where he says, look, I'm real, I love you so much. I've sent people to you. You know what's going on. You know the truth. Benny Hinn knows. He knows. Uh, what's, what's his name? Um, Sam Gipp. He knows. He knows the truth. When they knew God, they glorified him not as God, but became vain in their imaginations. Okay? And they're denying the very Lord that bought. Oh, you're not, the, you're not my Messiah. You know, again, they create their own little God in their head, but they know. They know what they're doing. They hate this God. They hate the God of the Bible. God didn't hate them first. He, they hated them. Go ahead and look down at Second uh, Peter chapter 2 and verse 1. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Go ahead and go to Psalms 26. Psalms 26. This is why we got to get the gospel out. Got to get the gospel out. And the thing is, is people want to hand out just just hand out tracts. You need to speak as well. Handing out tracts. I tell you what, good sponsor for this this sermon is these YouTube cards for your for your church. This is what you, this, you know, or the tracks. At least they can listen. They can hear. And that's the key. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And people just want they're lazy. They don't want to open their mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. God forbid. They just want to use their dead faith. No one gets saved from a track. Nobody. It doesn't happen. The natural man cannot receive the things of God. They just can't. You can give all the Bible you want. Look at the Ethiopian eunuch. And we're going to read that here in a minute. But go ahead and look down at Psalms 26 and verse 7. That I may publish. Now people would stop there. Publish. Yes, tracks. But keep reading. That I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. Remember those people that came before the Lord and he said, depart from me. I never knew you. They said, look at our wondrous works. What about Jesus Christ's wondrous works? Look at all the work he did. Go to uh, Psalms 68, chapter 68. I'll tell you what, go ahead and go to Acts chapter 8. I'll go ahead and read this one while you're turning there. Psalm 68, 11 reads, The Lord gave the word. Great was the company of those that published it. Acts chapter 8, 
We'll go to verse 27. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority, under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come and sit with him. Verse 32, The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a, a lamb dumb before his shearer. So opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth. He didn't just give him another tract. He opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. So this guy is sitting there and he got a track probably some, from some IFB church. And then Philip from Liberty Baptist comes walking by, says, what you reading there? He's like, oh, I got this track and has a bunch of scripture on it. Looks really good. Well, you, you know, you understand what you're reading? Well, no, I don't at all. Not one bit. <laughs> Just about to throw it in the trash can before he came. And that's when our opportunity to give them the gospel. And that's the problem. Somebody just handing a track and just leaving them be, they're not going to ever understand that track. Ever. It's never going to happen. <laughs> okay? Because, they, again, the natural man receiveth not the things of God. They're carnal. They're just going to get the carnal application. You have to open your mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Stop being scared. You just got just to gotta tell them. Now, point number two, and I'll be quick here. Point number two. His work, Jesus Christ's work, should motivate us to fear him. Okay, go ahead and go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And while you're turning there, I'll go ahead and quote Psalms 128, which is one of my favorite psalms, by the way. I don't know why. I just always have this psalm in my head. But Psalm 128 reads, Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands, happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Thy children like olive plants round about thy table. Behold that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion. And thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children in peace upon Israel. Or peace, yeah, peace upon Israel. And uh, go ahead and look down at Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assemblies of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. For, for means because. Okay, people just start with this verse, but this is talking about not going to church. For if we sin, sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fire indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment, suppose ye, shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden under the foot of the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant, wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. For we know him 
that has said, vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. Okay. Now, a good example of this, because people say, well, let's talk about losing your salvation. But the people who say this don't go to church. They ignore the verses right above it. You know, <laughs> they just say, well, if we sin willfully, see? But actually it's talking about not going to church. It's forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, right? A good example of this is, is Ananias and Sapphira. You don't have to turn there in Acts chapter 5. That's a great example of believers being punished and God just wiping them out. See, God has too many plans for you, especially in this kind of church. You're not going to be able to get by with what the lukewarm Christians get by with. <laughs> You're just not. God might take you out. He's like, I have too many plans for you, too many souls that need to be saved by you, by you. And I just don't have the time to mess around with you. He'll, he'll, he'll chastise you or he'll possibly even kill you. You know, he's not going to put up with it. He has a lot of plans. He loves you that much. He wants to see you succeed. And by the way, I've been, I've been chastised by the Lord. I think all of us have to be chastised by the Lord. I mean, we all have sin. But it's not fun. All right. But it teaches us something. I don't want to do that again. I don't want to touch the electrical socket. I get electrocuted. You know, it teaches us. Don't do that. Bad. No. And that's the thing is he, he paid too much for us to just let things go to waste. He wants others to hear. He wants others to know that he paid for all their sins as well. You know, he paid for the sins of the whole world. Give him what he paid for. And then my last point here, the work of Jesus should motivate us to be who we really are. Now, those last verses in Psalm 128, you can go ahead and turn to Ephesians 2, chapter 2. In the last verses of Psalm 128, it reads, Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion, and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children in peace upon Israel. Now, notice that, the good of Jerusalem. Now, see, we get to see the good of Jerusalem. The dispensationalists, are they seeing the good of Jerusalem right now? Are they seeing peace upon Israel? No, they're not seeing peace upon Israel. We are, because we see the spiritual. They see the carnal. Okay, now go ahead and look down at Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 11. Wherefore, remember that ye being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh, made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were afar off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall partition between us. Go ahead and jump down to, uh, go ahead and jump down to verse 19. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints in the household of God. Go ahead and turn to 1 Peter 2.9. Be finishing up here shortly. 1 Peter 2.9. While you're turning there, I'll go ahead and Read Esther 8.17. And in every province and in every city, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness, a feast and a good day, and many of the people of the land became Jews. So that proves right there we're not dealing with a race. Okay? You can become a Jew in the Old Testament. It's circumcision, basically. Circumcision, or you had to be born into it. I mean, it's kind of like saying being American is a race. That's not true. You know, it's a nationality. But see, we're the true Jews, okay? And, and um, go ahead and read here, too, in Romans 2, 28 through 29. It says, For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew which is one inwardly, 
And circumcision is that of the heart and the spirit and not in the letter whose praise is not of men, but of God. Okay, go ahead and read in First uh, Peter 2 and verse 9. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should shew forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in times past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Now, this is pretty mind-blowing if you really think about it. Jesus could have stopped. I remember one time I was going through a real hard time when I was young. And I called my mom, like, man, I'm going through a really hard time. She's like, look, if Jesus, all he did was just die for you, that would be enough. That's true. But instead of just stopping there, he also, we're going to see here, he also made us kings and priests unto God and his father. He made us citizens of Israel, made us the chosen people, the royal priesthood. I mean, he deserves everything. <laughs> so, go well, I'll go ahead and read here in First uh, John. Go ahead and turn to First Corinthians six three. First Corinthians six three. And first John two eighteen it reads, Little children, it is the last time, and as ye have heard, that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby ye know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might have been made manifest that they that they were not all of us. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. I have written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. He that acknowledges the Son hath the Father also. Those Jews over there, they don't have the Father. People say, oh, that, you know, they worship the same God as us. No, they don't. <laughs> no, they don't. They, have, they don't have the Father. They're a liar. They deny Jesus is the Christ. Now, in this, this third point here, we're going we're gonna to see in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 3. It says, Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life. And I'll go ahead and, and uh, quote this here in Revelation. It says, And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Like I just told you before, we're also kings and queens and priests. And one of the job of a king was to judge. He that spiritual judges all things. He's made us a judge. You're a federal judge tonight. I remember watching these videos of Pastor Anderson getting pulled over. He said, I'm a citizen of Israel. Now you got a new one. When you get pulled over, you say, I'm a federal judge. <laughs> Don't probably shouldn't do that. But but here's the thing. If you are, you're in federation with the most high God. Those courts, those judges we have here, they're not real judges. Not real judges at all. Matter of fact, it even says in their own codes, they're actors. <laughs> OK, imagine if I said to you and we'll close real quick. Imagine if I said to you, we're going to all after the service, we're going to go and the guys are going to be wearing black dresses. And we're going to go into a place that's shaped like a boat like Admiralty Maritime, and there's going to be graven images around us, and we're all going to perform a summons. You would say, oh, you're a Satanist. That's our courts, my friend. That's our courts. They're not real judges. It's a cult. <laughs> Nonsense. But live peaceably with all men. Don't disobey anything. But uh, anyways, you're a judge. You're the real deal. If they knew you were the highest form of government, they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't even know what to do. The cameras wouldn't be on bogus Trump. All right? They'd be here at Liberty. Go ahead and uh, we'll go ahead and turn. We're almost done here. Revelation chapter one. 
Revelation chapter 1. Now, it's a comforting thing to know that, we'll go ahead and read here in verse 5, that Jesus Christ did pay it all. That he gave us, he even went above and beyond, as we saw. And it says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, he's a God to be feared. But here's the thing. He can take away your fear. See, when you put fear on the Lord, other things don't seem so scary anymore. No matter what you're going through, you can rest assured that it will be okay one day. Just a Band-Aid. Life is so quick. Get hit by a bus tomorrow, anything could happen. You know? When John, in Revelation 1, he looked and he said, His head and his hairs were white like wool, white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like undefined brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters, and he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance, I mean, can you imagine seeing this? And his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Now, those are some very comforting words, are they not? Very comforting. Think of those words. You know, a lot of us go through hard times. Think of those words. Meditate on those words. And we'll close with this. You don't have to turn to Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ liveth in me and the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's go ahead and close with a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for uh, allowing me to preach here. It's a great honor, Lord. And I pray for uh, Pastor McMurtry again for uh, safe travels. I also pray for uh, Miss Harson, I believe it is, and uh, I pray that you will, uh, with the stroke there, that you will heal her, and uh, I pray that you bless the rest of the night uh, as we go. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.